Attention all personnel. Incoming podcast. This is MASH Matters. Okay, so this is the uh, season four celebration. I feel like we should really have some kind of big flashy open for this, don't you think? I mean, this is this is a big deal, right? Well, it's a very big deal. It's a season four. Come on. I don't want to just say, hey, welcome to MASH Matters. We always do that. I no. want something big and memorable. And But, but I'm, I don't know, man. I am stymied creatively right now. I don't, I don't have anything. Can you do something from Shakespeare or anything? Maybe some oh. soliloquy or maybe a song? Wait, let me go get my tights on. I'll be right back. Okay, please. Yeah, go. Oh, wait, wait, wait. I forgot. They're at the cleaners. No, oh, yeah. yeah, that's too bad. We're, we're wasting time here. So yeah, let's, really. Uh, They're going to get let, irritated if we yeah, don't I do know, that. right? So uh, let me yeah. just say, uh, hey, welcome to MASH Matters, the podcast celebrating the greatest television show of all time. I'm Ryan Patrick. He's Jeff Maxwell. Hello, sir. Hey, Ryan. How are you? Boy, we're excited for season four, aren't we? We are. Finally. Finally. You know, we do these season retrospectives once every 78 episodes, I believe. <laughs> When we get around to it, when we remember, you know, time kind of slips. Time right now is just that. What is time right now? I don't know. <laughs> the only good thing about this is you're never late. <laughs> It's the only good thing I can get about this whole deal. That's true. Yep. Yeah. So time has gotten away from us, yep. but we're here to celebrate season four of MASH. And we put the call out on Facebook and Twitter saying, hey, what's your favorite MASH season four episode? And uh, I shouldn't be surprised. We had well over 200 responses. Wow. <laughs> that came in. I mean, <laughs> I wish that we could read all of them. I really do. Yeah. But we've gone through and we've picked out some that we're going to read to try Try to uh, give a little bit of love to a lot of different episodes this season. This season, by the way, is stacked. Yeah. Wow. What a season. Let me just run through the titles of the episodes from season four, and then we will jump into the listener comments. Here is the murderer's row of episodes from season four. It starts with Welcome to Korea, then Change of Command. It happened one night. The late Captain Pierce. Hey, Doc. The bus. Dear Mildred. The kids. Quo Vadis. Captain Chandler. Dear Peggy, of Moose and Men, Soldier of the Month, The Gun, Mail Call Again, The Price of Tomato Juice, Dear Ma, Der Tag, Hawkeye, Some 38th Parallels, The Novocaine Mutiny, Smiling Jack, The More I See You, Deluge, and The Interview. Holy moly. One great episode after another. You know, I think season four was a particularly outstanding season. Uh, they were always good after that, certainly, and they were there were a lot of good ones before that. But in my humble opinion, season four was really a moment where MASH hit its stride. Mm -hmm. The writers hit their stride. The actors hit their stride. It was a learning experience, a learning curve. Whenever you do one of those television series, you know, the first 18 of them, uh, everybody's still learning their way. Uh, actors are still trying to figure out what the character is and where their rhythm is and what they're really trying to say. Writers are trying to do the same thing. So it's a lot of work to try and get into one of these series and make it work from the very beginning in an outstanding way. Now, MASH did that in its own way. But when it finally got to season four, uh, Larry Gelbart, you know, was the steam engine and Gene Reynolds was the steam engine in terms of being a director. And he hit a stride as a director and a producer. And Larry hit a stride as a writer. So all of the actors were going, this is good. This is working. I know who I am. I know what the character is. I know what we want to do. I've got my comic choices in my head. They seem to be working. And it was new enough 
so that it was exciting and fun too. Everybody was really having a good time. So it was kind of like a birth of everything and everybody's uh, approach to what they were doing. So in my humble opinion, that's why I think season four was filled with so many really, really good shows. You, you take into consideration, too, the creative jolt with the changing of the guard. You know, uh, Henry and Trapper are gone, and here comes BJ, and here comes Colonel Potter, and the tone of the show completely changed, too. It started changing with the introduction of these two characters. I think these two characters grounded the show in a way where it wasn't hijinks at the front. It was more grounded because, you know, BJ brought a certain level of humanity and uh, stability and morality with his character. And then you have Colonel Potter, who is the complete opposite of Henry Blake in every way, Mm -hmm. not knocking Trapper or Henry, because I love Henry and Trapper, but it was just something different and something new and exciting. And I'm sure that that added a little uh, jolt of energy too. Uh, Undoubtedly. Yeah. Everybody, the, you know, the main, the cast that was there were really hitting their stride in terms of their feeling and their characters and the words and what they were doing with them. And then to have something new and exciting and to have two really terrific performances like, I mean, Harry Morgan, give me a break. He was in every wonderful movie since he was 11. <laughs> an incredible actor, an yeah. incredible energy, incredible person to be around. You, I mean, what an exciting moment for everybody to go, oh my gosh, Harry Morgan is going to be a part of our show. Wow. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then, you know, Mike Farrell to show up with this great new clean cut character that gave everybody a new sense about what they were doing and brought new breath into it. So they, that all that wonderful newness and the each of the other characters hitting their stride and it just kind of went kaboom. You know, I I really think it did. Well, this season is beloved by a mash of viewers and fans, indicated by the amount of comments that we received when we put this call out for your favorite episode. So let's jump in here. It's only fitting that since Welcome to Korea was the first episode that we start with Welcome to Korea. Jeff, would you like to read the first comment there? Why not? Yeah, this is from Joseph S.S. Crow. Isn't that an aircraft carrier? The Joseph S.S. Crow is now in the South Pacific. (laughs) Well, whether you're Joseph S.S. Crow, a person or an aircraft carrier, here's what you said. So many choices. Welcome to Korea stands out for me for the imagery that shows BJ's progression from squeaky clean to new captain to what say you, ferret face, as he collapses into Frank. Over the course of the episode and the journey to the 4077, BJ loses his military trappings, his captain's bars, his jacket, and his hat, and he also loses his lunch. <laughs> he's dirty and drunk by the time he gets to the, his new assignment, and he's also lost some of his innocence along the way. Yeah. Well, I have a, a little comment to make about that show. Okay. First of all, yes, it's true what you say, uh, Joseph, about Mike Farrell and this great new introduction to this great new character that really was a wonderful addition to the show. But one of the things that I noticed, because I watched the show actually today, and uh, one of the things I, I noticed that stuck out for me was Gary Berghoff. He just put me on the floor in this episode. <laughs> every scene he was in, they should have called security because he stole every scene he was in. <laughs> it didn't matter who was doing what. The little things that he was doing in that character when they went into the uh, air base at Kempo and he, the, all the colonels came over and they were sniffing around him because he's an enlisted man. He shouldn't be in there. His reactions and his, <laughs> watching his face and watching his terror at what was going on. 
I, I was just, I was blown away. I, he was the funniest thing I'd ever seen. So if you watch it again, you know, it's great. Mike Farrell is terrific. There's nobody better. But you want to just laugh, pure laugh from what wonderful things he was doing as a character. Watch him and boy, you'll have a great time. So that's what my, I, 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 I had such a good time and I'm going to write to him a little while and say, boy, you, you were good at this. <laughs> there might be a future in this for you, you know? Uh, that particular episode won two Emmy Awards also in 76. Outstanding directing in a comedy series. That was for Gene Reynolds. And then also outstanding achievement in film editing for entertainment programming in a comedy series. And that was for uh, Fred W. Berger and Stanford Titchler. Yeah. Great episode. It's going to come up again here, but let's just keep going. Laura Latham, she says, I love the kids and Deluge both for their father Mulcahy scenes. The exchange in Deluge with Hawkeye, BJ, and Mulcahy in the mess tent making sandwiches. You know, Father? Standing there like that with the light hitting you the way it does? Yes. You look just like a B-girl I knew in San Diego. It's quite possible. I worked my way through divinity school as a B-girl in San Diego. (laughs) It's absolutely one of my favorite exchanges between the two of them. I think it's the moment Hawkeye, the crazy agnostic, and Mulcahy come to appreciate and adore each other as friends. Yeah, that is a great scene. Mulcahy has some great moments in this season, which we'll get to a little bit later on in this episode, but that is a great Mulcahy moment. Well, he was a terrific actor and terrific human being, too. So, Corb on Twitter says, funniest episode is Soldier of the Month. The madcap competition between Radar, Klinger, Igor, and Zale, a feverish Frank writing his will, and Margaret punching him afterward, plus a great tag, one cut for syndication for many years of Radar returning from Tokyo. But the best episode of season four is Deluge. The contrast between the actual 1950s newsreel clips, especially the lighthearted ones, and the brutal, bloody chaos of the OR makes for an exceptionally powerful episode. I agree. I really do like Deluge. They intersperse the entire episode with footage from old newsreels. And these newsreels, for you youngsters out there, you know, they didn't have CNN back in the day. So before movies, they would show these newsreels so you could actually see some of the footage of what you've been hearing about in the news, on the radio, or reading in the papers. You actually saw it filmed in these newsreels. Here he is at Plymouth, England. With this to say about our GIs in Korea. I have not the knowledge to enable me to predict how this Korean fighting will end. But but let me here express our admiration for the daring and skill with which the handful of American soldiers, three or four battalions at most, who have as yet been brought into action in Korea, have fought their delaying action against overwhelming odds. It's done so well and so masterfully. You feel like that was how it was written. You know, when it was written, they sat down and said, okay, we're going to put this newsreel clip here and this newsreel clip here. But actually, that's not how it is at all. In fact, after they had finished the final cut, Larry Gelbart and Gene Reynolds discovered that the episode was too short. Mm Mm-hmm. And instead of going back and having to shoot new material, they had access to this vintage newsreel footage because it belonged to 20th Century Fox. And so they spliced it in. 
the the fact that it was an afterthought blows my mind. I love that episode because the juxtaposition of the horrors of war and then here's a dance competition back in the States. Yeah. And here are some people uh, water skiing back in the States. And the juxtaposition is just masterful. And I can't imagine that episode without the newsreel footage. Mm-hmm. There's another piece of footage in that show, too, that was reused from an earlier episode. There's a shot of Radar jumping off an ambulance at the chopper pad. And that footage is actually from the episode Cowboy from season one and the reason you can know that is because you can actually see cowboy landing the chopper Mm. so again they were trying to find things to add in to stretch for time so they used the newsreel and they went back and pulled some old footage from some earlier episodes also to include in that Mm -hmm. so cindy heath she says dear peggy is her favorite episode just for the line frank burns eats worms frank burns eats worms She says, I like the comical sides to most episodes, and this has to be the most comical lines of all of season four. I agree. In fact, for Christmas this year, I received a coffee mug that says, Frank Burns eats worms. (laughs) That's great. Shy Little One on Twitter says, The kids, it showed a break in the chaos of death by showing life. Oh, well, that's nice. It's a great episode where all these kids, these orphans come to stay at the 4077. There is one discrepancy in that that I've always noticed. Colonel Potter, he had just arrived a couple episodes before that and asks early on, what's a Nurse Craddy? And then when Nurse Craddy arrives, Potter greets her as if they've known each other for all their life. Mm. You know, I may be able to call some folks and see if they could reshoot it. Why not? Okay, you do that. But hey, that cratty thing didn't work. We're going to have to reshoot this. <laughs> Janae Simmons. Oh, Janae Simmons says, I've always loved the price of tomato juice. It's like one of those children's books where one thing leads to another. Like if you give a mouse a cookie, poor sweet radar goes through all of that effort and then comes to find out Colonel Potter can't drink the stuff and not be bothered by it. It's a great example of this writing team's prowess. Carol Hepner also loves Welcome to Korea. The addition of new characters brought new depth to the series. Of course, Hawkeye was also pure genius for the writing and Alan Alda's acting ability. We'll talk more about Hawkeye a little bit later on. And uh, USA Soldier One on Twitter says, Dear Mildred, nothing like seeing the 4077 mash from the viewpoint of its new CEO, Colonel Potter. Loved McLean Stevenson as Henry Blake, but Harry Morgan's role was best in my book. Being a retired U.S. Army major chaplain, oh, wow, that's cool. I dealt with plenty of colonels in my career. Wow. (laughs) Then he would know. Dear Mildred, that is the episode where we first meet the horse that would go on to be known as Sophie. Yeah. Although in this episode, it's a male horse. (laughs) And then in later episodes, it's a female or it's a male horse named Sophie. Hey, whatever the horse wants. But I found out that a, uh, a total of four different horses were used in this episode to represent the one horse. And I don't know why. I mean, Jeff, when Sophie was a character on the show, was Sophie the only horse on the set or did they have multiple Sophies? Well, one of the Sophies could never remember the lines at all. <laughs> so that Sophie was just a long shot Sophie. When they go into the close-ups, 
they brought in the other two Sophies that could remember the lines. And the fourth one, I don't know what that Sophie was about. Maybe it had connections. It knew somebody. It knew somebody. Yeah. It's yeah. Yeah. No, uh, you know, horses. You know, they do different things. Some of them are a little skittish. Some of them are are you know happy to go in a sound stage. Some of them you know won't go in a sound stage. Some of them are very good rideable horses, and others are just good standing there looking nice horses. So it depends on I think in what the scene was and what they were gonna gonna do that they would have all these horses there. It was like babies. If you have you know shooting a baby in a in a series, mm-hmm. you got to have six or seven babies that kind of look the same because one of them will cry and one of them will throw up and <laughs> right, you know, right. run away or something. So you got to have. <laughs> multiple babies to get a couple of shots, depending on what your needs are. I would assume that's what it was, why they had four Sophies. Yeah. I had four Sophies once, but I got some ointment. Took it right away. All right, moving on. Darth Abbey on Twitter says, I love the kids. What's not to love about it? Potter reading the rifle manual as a bedtime story. BJ's retelling of Androcles and the lion. Radar stealing his teddy bear back. It's a lovely soft episode that really lets every character shine outside of their usual shtick. And I don't say their usual shtick in a bad way. I just see kids as a lovely little interlude between the gallows of humor and sarcasm and somber moments that I love in MASH. But then I'm one of the weirdos who loves all of the unusual episodes like Dreams and Point of View. And Darth Abbey, I also like those weird episodes as well. So I I can relate. And then uh, Steve on Twitter says the interview because it was in documentary format and they really didn't script it. The actors really had to know their characters with answering these questions Cleet was asking and they nailed it. And yeah, we'll talk more about the interview a little bit later on. Ken Holshauser says, I love so many of these, but I have to pick change of command as the moment that MASH phase two began. Potter and BJ immediately click with the cast and the tone and feel of the show evolves. That's for sure. It sure did. Yeah. First, I want to say Kent Holzhauser has been posting some amazing sketches that he's been making of the MASH cast on Twitter. So look for Ken on Twitter and check out some of those great sketches. But Change of Command, that is the episode where Potter arrives. Now, Potter actually arrived at the tail end of the previous episode, Welcome to Korea. They tagged that episode with his arrival, but the actual scene itself then took place in this episode, Change of Command. And it's interesting. In the previous episode, they announced the date of his arrival, which was September 19th, 1952, this episode, Change of Command, aired on September 19th, 1975. Wow. This is also where we hear Frank call Igor a sergeant. No, 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 sergeant. From now on, you will not simply slop food onto these trays. Look at this random arrangement, Major. I'm looking. The kidney beans have slopped over from the kidney bean compartment into the applesauce compartment. The dehydrated potatoes are in every compartment. It's no wonder I never have an appetite. Sergeant, I want standardization of compartment usage. When I look down a table at a row of trays, I want to see beans, 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 beans. Potatoes, potatoes, potatoes. Applesauce, applesauce, applesauce. You got that? Yes. Yes, what? Yes, sir. Yes, sir, what? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Three bags full? (laughs) Uh, Yeah. And uh, we also get our very first Potterism. Horse hockey. And we also had a listener question. Michael Maté asked, I was wondering about the picture on Potter's desk. Was that his real wife's picture? And the answer, this is documented by Larry Gelbart in TV's MASH, The Ultimate Guidebook, is yes. Harry asked if his wife's photo could be used, and the producers said yes. So that is the real Mrs. Morgan playing uh, the fictional Mrs. Potter. Yeah, of course she said yes. She probably got paid every time they <laughs> showed her on the screen. 
Honey, do you want to make $300 every time they point the camera at the picture? Well, sure. Okay. Smart. Uh, okay. John Gower says, the late Captain Pierce, just the sheer frustration that plagues Hawkeye. Alan does such a fantastic job with this. I don't care how many times I watch it. I feel the frustration just watching him. Excellent episodes. Probably one of my all-around favorites. Yeah. It is. It is. Uh, Richard Mazer, he plays Digger. And then Eldon Quick, he shows up as Captain Pratt. Well, you are, Doctor. I am afraid what George Orwell described in 1984 as an unperson. And this is uh, the second of four appearances for Eldon Quick on MASH. And three of the four episodes, he shows up as the same character, Captain Sloan. But in this case, he was Captain Pratt. <laughs> They just liked Elvin Quick, so they kept bringing him back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this, by the way, was the first script written by Glenn Charles and Les Charles. And some of you may recognize those names because they're the ones who went on to create Cheers. Uh, great episode. Very dramatic episode, too. Yeah, it really was. It starts off very funny, and then it gets very dramatic in the end. If, if I remember, isn't that where Hawkeye goes after Burns? Doesn't he go crazy on him? You're deceased. You're off the payroll. <laughs> It's not funny, Frank. Well, if you're too dead for calisthenics, you're too dead for pay. Next. Wait a minute. Hold it. I got to have that money, Frank. It's not like I can work someplace else. I mean, there's not another army across the street looking for help. Next. Don't do this, Frank. So, being dead isn't as much fun as you thought it'd be, huh? Watch it, Frank. They couldn't court-martial a dead man for breaking every smirk in your face. Let me go! Let me go! I remember that kind of because I was sitting next to Burns when we <laughs> when we did that, and uh, they gave me a nice close of a, of a look, which was kind of fun. I didn't say anything, but I got a nice look. Uh, but yeah, he went crazy. I mean, they they did a pretty serious, you know, battle in a very small little set. That was kind of, and they were falling all over the floor and stuff. I I was uh, very impressed they did that themselves and that didn't call a stunt man or anything. That was a pretty good uh, slugfest. I mean, they weren't hitting each other. They were grabbing and shoving. Mm -hmm. But boy, uh, Alan went after him. <laughs> he really did. <laughs> he doesn't hold back that guy. <laughs> Dean R. on Twitter says, The bus episode is fun for its change of pace, but it's not the best of season four. Quo Vadis Captain Chandler refers to the non-biblical story of Peter the Apostle fleeing his own crucifixion in Rome when he sees the risen Christ who asks him, Where are you going? Which is the translation for Quo Bodice. Arthur Chandler, the character who thinks he's Jesus, is fleeing his own crucifixion of sorts as a bombardier. No laugh track, flag and freeman, walking fertilizer, respect for faith. I'm Walter. Great episode. I will tell you, Jeff, I was, I shouldn't say surprised, but I was moved by how many people chose this episode as their favorite episode for season four. It's a powerful, powerful episode. Uh, and it has a little bit of everything. Not only do you have the uh, magnificent performance by Alan Fudge. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm not this Captain Chandler you're looking for, but I hope you can find him. I hope you can help him. Tell me, is it true that God answers all prayers? Yes. Sometimes the answer is no. Who was one of the finalists, I believe you were saying, uh, who auditioned for BJ. For BJ, yep. But you have Colonel Flagg in this episode. You have Sydney. We learn Radar's real first name. Bless you, Radar. I'm Walter. Bless you, Walter. 
And this was an episode that was written by Burt Proletsky, and he credits this as the moment that revitalized his career. He went on to write seven more episodes of MASH. And this is an episode also that does not have a laugh track. And I think that was a wise choice. You know, you have a soldier wounded, not just physically, but, uh, you know, uh, psychologically, who thinks he's Jesus. And the last thing you need is canned laughter. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But it's 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 an amazing episode. And Philly Finn fan on Twitter says, my favorite episode of season four is Change of Command. Bringing in Colonel Potter and seeing him interacting with the rest of the crew is priceless. I truly love his response to meeting Klinger for the first time. It's one I can watch over and over again. Yeah, I agree. It is pretty darn good. I love it. In fact, the, I love the end of it when he finally said, nice outfit, son. Klinger. Nice outfit. Well, thank you, sir. It's from the Shirley Temple collection. I love yes. that. All of a sudden, what a great guy to do that. Uh-huh. Great, great moment. Rosalie on Twitter says, The interview. And she says, This was the first episode my dad ever showed me right after eating at Paco's, too. Man, that, that's, <laughs> that's like, like two thirds of the mash trifecta right there. Watching your first episode ever after eating at Paco's, Rosalie, your dad was doing it right. <laughs> yeah, really? Wow, that's terrific. Okay, Kate Emily says, The More I See You is one of my favorite episodes of the show because it paints Hawkeye in a totally different light. Uh, the audience uh, has come to see him as a playboy, but this time we see him come face to face with perhaps the only woman he ever loved. There's been no one since you faint copies at best. I got over the hate, but I never got over the love. You can't help but feel his pain. And it's clear that Blythe Danner's character knows Hawkeye on a level no other woman has, and it makes her a human character. The audience doesn't hate or love her by the end of the episode when she puts in a transfer. There's an understanding that this is how it has to end. Hawkeye will always put medicine first and the woman he loves second. Kate, I agree. This was one of the most interesting moments of my MASH career because I happened to be there and watch this scene. There was a scene between Blythe Danner and Alan, and they were doing it, I guess, in her tent. And it was the dramatic scene of the show. And I sat there and my mouth dropped open because they were both so good and so delicious and worked off of each other so beautifully. I was right there. It was just like watching two people really talking about a real serious moment in their lives. It was a beautiful moment. I I was totally blown away. So I agree. That's a killer show. Oh yeah. Great episode. And Blythe Danner, could she be any more beautiful? Oh my gosh. Oh, you know, she was already a star and uh, the story goes, I believe that I think it was Jean Reynolds who was watching something she was in and said, Oh, we have to get her. And I think Larry was like, I don't think we'll ever be able to get her, you know, because at that time movie stars didn't do TV, but they approached her and they didn't even have a script written. And they said, would you be a part of this? And this is the character we have in mind. And she said yes, without seeing one word of a script, which I think is amazing. And I think it's a true testament to Larry Gelbart and Gene Reynolds to be able to flesh out a character before they even create that character on paper to, to be able to tell her exactly who this character is and for her to feel comfortable being a part of it. Yeah. And I lo- what I one thing I love about that episode, The More I See You, I think it's the first time that we truly see vulnerable Hawkeye. Mm-hmm. We've never seen Hawkeye get flummoxed. We've never seen him where he's at a loss for words. Right. She comes in and completely knocks him over. And we had never seen that before. I love seeing that part of Hawkeye. Yeah. Do me a favor, huh? Yeah. If anybody asks, I turned you down. Right. 
All right, Kenny Serpico says, The bus. This, to me, has a great mix of humor and drama. I love the interaction between Hawkeye, BJ, and Frank, and it's just high on my nostalgia scale. The bus was one of those episodes, one of those rare episodes that takes away completely from the camp. It's either inside the bus or just outside of the bus. It was shot there on the Fox Ranch, and as uh, Gene Reynolds recalls in uh, TV's MASH, The Ultimate Guidebook, he says it rained like hell (laughs) during (laughs) the filming of that episode. Uh, This episode also doesn't have a laugh track and we have the guest appearance by soon tech O. this is his second guest appearance he went on to have several more uh, guest appearances on mash but the bus is really a fantastic episode it doesn't really answer the question though radar ends up missing for a good portion of the episode mm-hmm. and it never really explains why yeah my only beef with it is there was no explanation why he went missing for hours yep <laughs> in the woods yep that's very unradar like yep i actually had a little bit of an issue with the uh, performance of what's his name again? Forgive me. Suntek O. Suntek O. Wonderful guy. Great stuff. I just thought that the approach to his character in the end where he was really kind of giddy I thought that was a little over the top because he couldn't speak English. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, nobody could speak Korean. And so he was giddy. We didn't know why he was suddenly giddy. I, I didn't think a guy in his situation in a bus filled with American soldiers would actually be giddy. He may cooperate. <laughs> uh-huh. But to be giddy is some other kind of place you got to go. And it, it just didn't convince me. But still a great episode. Yeah. Nevertheless. Yeah. So we've torn that apart, haven't we? We don't like the radar <laughs> part, and we don't like the giddy thing. Other than that's great. Other than that's a great show. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, Matt Williams says, The Novocaine Mutiny. Before VCRs, I had this boombox kind of unit with a built-in four-inch TV. It recorded the audio from a TV program onto an audio cassette. I was able to listen to that episode as I went to sleep many, many times. He said that was when he was about 12 years old. Aww. Yeah, The Novocaine Mutiny is an interesting because it's kind of a he said, uh, he said <laughs> episode that's got... Frank, his story of Hawkeye's mutiny, and then uh, Hawkeye telling the real story. Interesting little note about this episode. It was written by Burt Perletsky and directed by Harry Morgan. Burt Perletsky had written a number of episodes many years before of Dragnet. And of course, as you may know, Harry Morgan was a cast member of Dragnet. So this was kind of a reunion of those two. This episode also features a room in the 4077 set that we have never seen before and we'll never see again. And that is the meat locker. (laughs) In the meat locker with Frank Burns and Zale. And I don't know why, but I'll tell you what, it is stocked. It has quite a few choice cuts hanging in there. (laughs) You just don't know what kind of meat it is. (laughs) That's true. I've never seen that cut before. Whoa. (laughs) Uh, uh, Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Back to the show. So Joseph Hecht said, I think mine is it happened one night. The new team members had settled in, and it was really the first look at them at work. Also, the first few cracks in Margaret and Frank's affair were beginning to show. All right. That was a fun show. It was written by Larry Gelbart and Simon Muntner, and uh, Simon Muntner was the cousin of High Averback, who was uh, one of the frequent MASH directors. Really? I did not know that. How about that? Wow. Yeah. Huh. How about that? wonder how he got his job. <laughs> <laughs> it pays a- to have connections, doesn't it? <laughs> he was actually going to be the fifth horse on the set, and his part got cut. They felt bad, so they brought him back and said, hey, you can help write this episode. Simon, can you go... <laughs> 
Correct. Do you want to be the front or do you want to be the back? <laughs> be the back. <laughs> uh, okay. Monica O'Brien says, mail call again. Probably has one of my favorite scenes with Klinger and Potter where Klinger says his two brothers died. Also, uh, what has probably my favorite Frank line. Everything okay at home, Frank? Uh, fine. <laughs> yeah, the uh, crabgrass is in bloom and... Cathead puppies. Yeah, that's a funny line. Good episode. <laughs> and Clint Richard says, Deluge is simply incredible. Would be a powerful short film on its own. The juxtaposition of triage and the dancers was heartbreakingly beautiful. And that final image is forever haunting. Mashaholic on Twitter says, Dear Ma, I like the simple and humble nature way Radar writes his mom telling her what is going on. It's a unique perspective. Yes, it is. And then uh, Samantha Marshall says, I like the gun. Anytime Radar is drunk, it's a good time. <laughs> drunk Radar is great. And he, I think he's at his drunkest in this episode. Yeah. There's a moment, though, in this episode, in the gun. He tells a story about how he spent 16 hours and $24 in a photo booth just so he could send a picture of himself in uniform to each of the 400 students at his high school. <laughs> so this is a story that he tells. However, this story is cut out of the syndicated version. So then later, when Drunk Radar shows up and confronts the colonel and says, My name is Radar O'Reilly. I'm the guy who had his picture taken for 16 hours for nothing on account of your gun. Without that story, yeah. it makes no sense whatsoever. It doesn't make any sense. No sense. <laughs> so for years, I only had access to the syndicated version, and I never understood that line. And then when I had the DVDs and I was able to watch the uncut versions, which you can also watch on Hulu, it finally made sense. Oh, I get it now. Yeah. That was always a mystery to me. A lot of Igor got uh, cut out due to syndication. <laughs> <laughs> I have syndication scars all over my body. <laughs> Oh, well, I don't take it personally. Okay. I still get the residual check, so who cares? You and Mrs. Harry Morgan, yeah. <laughs> Me and... <laughs> Yeah. Only yeah. <laughs> well, I had to show up there every day. She just <laughs> sit on the desk quietly. <laughs> I'll say a word. Right. Mike Horvath. How are you, Mike? Mike says, so many, it's hard to pick one. I do like the interview, but one of the funniest, Der Tag, when they get Frank all liquored up and put the morally exhausted and emotionally bankrupt toe tag on him. Really cool. Yep. Very funny stuff. Yeah. Frank had some great moments in this season. Donna Carter talks again about the uh, no Novocaine mutiny. She says it's a little gem of an episode that highlights Frank's growing paranoia while tipping its hat to a classic movie, and it's flat out hilarious. Brad Spencer, Soldier of the Month. Hilarious how Klinger steals the answers to the test and reads them backwards. What famous Civil War hero said, damn the torpedoes, full steam ahead. And please try to answer with uh, less than the seven basic ballet movements. I'm thinking. I'm thinking. Tugarat. <laughs> That's fair again. He said it backwards. <laughs> you know, my brother had the tremendous ability to spell and read backwards instantly. He didn't have to think of it. You give him any word, he would spell it perfectly backwards, and he could speak the word backward. He could speak whole sentences backward. Really? Amazing talent, ability, or sickness. I don't know which one it was. <laughs> 
Chris Tekarczyk says, I always liked the late Captain Pierce. Very quotable and an interesting concept. Only the crew of MASH could take something as serious as accidentally telling a family a loved one died in a war zone and making it funny. That's the genius of these writers and directors. That's true. And our friend Tina Conrad says, as someone that has worked on a farm with horses, I would have to say that my favorite episode of season four was the seventh episode titled Dear Mildred. It really hits home to me when they are talking about putting down the horse as it was shot and Radar begs them to save the horse. The farm that I worked at was the same in regards to saving horses versus putting them down due to something that can be fixed. Yeah, it was a very dramatic thing. And, you know, Gary Berghoff, uh, that was an easy thing for him to do. He loves animals. He's very uh, respectful of them. And so when that came up, that was a real, you know, real feeling. Mm -hmm. He later on had an interesting uh, encounter with a horse. um, I may have said this already, talked about it, but at one point they wanted to sedate a horse and he wouldn't let them because the wrangler said, well, this is a really old horse. And if they sedate it, it may never get up. And uh, he was really responsible in preventing them from doing the scene with a sedated horse because he didn't want that to happen. Nobody did, but the Wrangler was willing to do it. Yeah. So good for Gary. Wanda Luna says, Dear Ma, it reminds me when my son was in boot camp, I always have tears as Radar ends his letter to his ma. That is a sweet episode. Yeah. And then Erica Davies says, I have to go with Change of Command for season four. The introduction of Colonel Potter, Frank's temper tantrum, and of course the song at the end that Potter Hawk Hawkeye and BJ are singing while they're drinking after OR. There's a long, long night of waiting until my dreams all come true. Till the day when I'll be coming down that long, long It's a perfect sentiment for being away from home and on the front lines. It's the perfect song for Potter's character and that bass voice of his. My husband would like that song as his eulogy, which is weird, I know, but it's moving and poignant, and I can't argue that it would be fitting. I love the podcast and can't wait for the next episode. Thank you, Erica. That's nice. And our friend Stan Peel says, It's hard to pick a favorite, but Hawkeye stands out as a remarkable episode, especially for me, a theater kid who did a lot of impromptu plays and monologues in my room. Wow, that's interesting. I appreciate that they were trying to pull off something unique. A full show as a virtual monologue by one character. They created the perfect setup. Hawkeye has a possible concussion, so he can't drive, but he has to keep himself awake. And they had the perfect actor to pull it off. All defines every beat and minds each moment with honesty and razor-sharp wit. I'm surprised that I see this episode knocked on fan sites as showboating, self-serving, or boring. Hmm... I think it was brave of them to try such an experiment and brave of Alan Alda to attempt it. It was inspiring and a new reason to love an already amazing show. Stan Peel, I agree with you. Yeah, this is a polarizing episode. When you get on Facebook and you see these MASH groups and people put on there, okay, what's your least favorite episode? This is one of, I would say, three or four that always seem to come up. I also don't understand the pushback on this episode. I can understand how some people think that it was was like an ego trip. It was an ego thing. Alan Alda wanted something just for himself. You know, there's these urban legends about that. And I want to read a quote here. This is from 
TV's MASH, The Ultimate Guidebook, which I reference a lot. Larry Gelbart, this is something that he wrote. He says, the reason for doing it, because it represented a terrific writing and acting challenge. And by season four, the challenges were getting tougher and tougher. Aldo was very helpful in terms of the script as well. It was not his idea, but he contributed several bits and ideas to the script. While there's many an episode in the first four seasons that I think were complete or partial misses, I can't say that I feel the same way about this one. And I agree. I think Hawkeye is a tremendous episode. I do too. I, uh, I was there during the shooting. And uh, again, much like this feeling I had when I watched Ellen and, and Blythe Danner do their scene, I was really struck by the ability and talent that the man has. Certainly Blythe Danner has as well. But, but Ellen is just an inspiring and special human being and special talent. And not everybody could, could have done that and pulled it off mm-hmm. with humor and with honesty and being being present all the time. It takes a long time to shoot that thing and you got to you got to be there every day. You got to show up with that every day. You have to match what you've said before, you know, maybe the next day or an hour later or after lunch. And to watch him be able to do that and harness that for that length of time was really inspiring to me as a goofball kid watching an actor do what they did. Yeah. I just went, "Wow. I don't think I'll ever be able to do that." <laughs> I mean, I can do stuff too, but I don't think I can do that like he did. Right, right. Uh, it's true. He's a he's really a talent, and boy, you could see it in that show. My humble opinion. Were you on set because the, at this point you were still working as his stand-in? You know, I don't remember. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> I may have been. It's possible. I don't remember doing that. I just remember standing behind our, our sound guy and watching it with my arms folded, being very humbled by what I was watching. <laughs> so I may have known the show and just gone there because I just wanted to watch it, which I did a lot. I, even though I wasn't supposed to be there and they'd chase me away and stuff. Come on, get out of here, Jeff. But I'd push back and I'd sneak around and I'd, I'd stand there and watch stuff that I really wanted to see. And I really wanted to see that. It was an inspiring thing. It really was. I was, I was blown away. It's one of the things that a lot of people get intimidated by actors. And, you know, you have people favorites that you love and you meet somebody and you go, because you can barely talk. Mm-hmm. And, Watching Alan Alda do that kind of set the hook for that with me because I was really impressed and I've never stopped being impressed since that very day. So that's a, it was, it was a remarkable moment. So safe to say, is this one of your favorite episodes from this season? It is one of my favorite episodes from this season. Absolutely. Thank you to everybody who sent in comments and their favorite episodes. I want to read something. Uh, this is not uh, one particular episode, but Shelley Blanchard wrote in and I just wanted to read this. I have been introducing my fiance to MASH via the DVD collection. She says, can I really marry him if he hasn't seen every episode? <laughs> and she says, we recently finished season four. I found myself saying, oh, this episode is one of my favorites before each and every one. Lucky for me, the love of my life is also loving MASH, the TV show equivalent love of my life. One more on the endless list of reasons why I said yes. Oh, how sweet. Very sweet. Very nice, Shelley. Yeah. Well, good luck to you both. And we're waiting for our invitation to the wedding. Yeah. <laughs> we get first class round trip plane tickets. <laughs> <That's> right. <laughs> if there are any planes left, I don't know. We'll send you our rider. We'll send it to you and you can get all that worked out. Before I get to my favorite three, I want to highlight one other episode. It's not one of my favorites, but there are some interesting facts. And I don't think, and if you did, forgive me, because if you did, I I missed it. And I went through every one of these comments. The episode Smiling Jack. 
I don't think it got a vote. Hmm. Again, if I if I miss it, I'm sorry. But a couple of things about Smiling Jack that I found very interesting. First of all, that was the first episode that was directed by Charles S. Dubin, mm-hmm. who then went on to direct 44 episodes. The title, Smiling Jack, inspired by an aviation-themed comic strip called Smiling Jack that ran in the Chicago Tribune from 1933 to 1973. Uh, according to Larry Gelbart, the role of Smiling Jack was inspired by a real Korean War chopper pilot named Dan Sullivan. Now, the plot detail of the pilot having diabetes, that was added by Gelbart and Simon Muttner. However, a few years after this episode aired, the real-life Smiling Jack was diagnosed with diabetes. And Gelbart said, this was a bizarre case of life being imitated by art, only to have then art be imitated by life, which is so wild. And then the guest star in that episode, Robert Hogan, he played Smiling Jack. The character of Robert Hogan on Hogan's Heroes, which was portrayed by Bob Crane famously, that character was named after Robert Hogan, who played Smiling Jack. Wow. Yeah, he was friends with the uh, series creator, Bernard Fien, who created Hogan's Heroes. And so he named Robert Hogan after the real Robert Hogan, who played Smiling Jack. Isn't that something? Wow, I didn't know that. How'd you find that? Where did that come from? That's interesting. From one of my many sources. Don't give up the secret. Uh, You don't want to do that. You can't reveal your sources. It might be completely wrong, but you know what? What I've I've learned through this pandemic right now is that uh, even if you're wrong and you think you're right, you're right. Well, hey, Wikipedia is right every once in a while. (laughs) (laughs) I think half of your entry is right, and I think half of it is is pure fiction. Yeah, totally. (laughs) It's fun reading. All right. I want to quickly give you my top three. And again, this is my personal opinion. This is not going to be chiseled in stone. These are just my favorites. If I had to watch certain episodes from season four over and over and over again, these are the ones I would watch. Number three is The Price of Tomato Juice. Mm. I have a soft spot for this episode. I love the episodes where one favor leads to another favor and then leads to another favor. You know, this was a plot device they used in season one and or for want of a boot. And I, I don't know. I'm a sucker for those kinds of shows. And because of that, I've always really enjoyed The Price of Tomato Juice. And also, uh, this is the episode where you, Igor, uh, refer to your name as Maxwell. You're losing half your applesauce. Apples don't grow on trees, you know. No, sir. What's your name, fella? Maxwell, sir. Well, you're going on KP, Maxwell. I am on KP, sir. (laughs) The minute you come off, you're going on. And uh, it also features my favorite of all the Potterisms, and there are so many of them, but this one features my absolute favorite. (sighs) Thank you, Radar. That tomato juice was the oyster's ice skates. You're welcome, sir. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So that's my number three. My number two, and I went back and forth with my number two and my number one, back and forth, back and forth. I went ahead and put this as number two, although it could very well be my favorite, Soldier of the Month. Such a fun episode. I think it's a great episode. If you want to show an episode to somebody who does not know MASH, this is a really good episode because you get a lot of great stuff from the main cast and you also get some priceless stuff from the supporting cast as well. Igor has that great scene with Igor, Zale, Klinger, and Radar with the quiz for Soldier of the Month. And it also features the classic Igor line, would would you do it for me? Would you mind? Let let me prepare, please. Give me a moment. <clears throat> I thought there were going to be refreshments here. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that makes my day. Thank you. 
Soldier of the Month coming in at number two. So my number one episode for season four is an episode that I think is one of the most important episodes in all of MASH, and that is The Interview. Do you see anything good at all coming out of this war? Yeah, me. Alive. That would be nice if I could get out of this alive. That would be great. You've been here some time. Somewhere between some time and eternity. Is there anything from home that you brought over with you to set up for yourself? Creature comforts? I brought a, I brought a book over. What book? The dictionary. I figure it's got all the other books in it. You know, I like to read the dictionary. Now, this episode was shot in black and white, and they actually had to make an intro at the beginning saying, hey, this is in black and white. Yeah. The following is in black and white. So many people who were watching on their color TV sets, they were afraid they're going to be smacking the side of the TV set trying to get the color to work. But they went ahead and announced that at the beginning. Cleet Roberts, who was a real newsman, gets everybody's feelings about the war. Now, according to Larry Gelbart, some of the portions of the script were written. Others were left to be improvised, which I think is absolutely amazing. It's a true testament to the actors in the show that I, I can't tell what is written and what's not. And for them to be that in tune with their characters where you can say, improvise, just answer this question as your character would answer it. And for them to do that and do it so well. Wow. Just unbelievable. And in fact, it features one of the most memorable quotes from Father Mulcahy. When the doctors cut into a patient and it's cold, you know, why it is now today, steam rises from the body and the doctor will will warm himself over the open wound. Could anyone look on that and not feel changed? What a powerful, powerful story. And I had the honor of having lunch one time with with Bill Christopher. And I asked him about that. And he said that that was his favorite moment of all of MASH. Based on real life statements from MASH surgeons. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This was the last episode of the fourth season. This was also Larry Gelbart's final show because he would leave the show after the fourth season. And then in 1997, TV Guide ranked this as number 80 on its list of the 100 greatest episodes of all time. Mm -hmm. One little quick note of trivia. Colonel Potter mentions the silent film star Francis X. Bushman Mm -hmm. during one of his interview segments. In real life, he was married to Barbara Bushman, who was Francis Bushman's granddaughter. Wow. From 1986 until his death in 2011. And so this episode preceded his marriage to Barbara Bushman. Yeah. You know, from what uh, from what I understand, and I could be totally wrong, but I think I recall kind of the progression in terms of that script was that the idea was given to all the actors and everybody was asked to write down things that they would like to talk about and what they would say if, you know, they were talking to this interviewer. Hmm. And I think a lot of them did that. Everybody wrote that those ideas and those concepts and those things that they would answer. And then Larry took all that and wrote it as a script. So, so they were, they were improvising, but improvising from something that they had already created or written to him. And he rewrote it as the actual script. So there was a, there was a combination of their input their improvisation when they created their input and then his writing of the actual script. I'm not sure it was improvised as they shot it. I don't I don't remember that and I certainly I can't really speak to it. Maybe they did, maybe they didn't, but the improvisation was created by the request of them to write down what they would answer and then Larry rewrote it as a screenplay or as a teleplay. 
but I don't know. Maybe they made it all up themselves that day. I don't know. But, but I think that's the way it works. It's still tremendous. It's absolutely Phenomenal. amazing episode of television. Uh, one thing that's noticeable, Loretta Swit is not in the episode. Yeah. She's also not in the episodes, the Novocaine Mutiny or the More I See You. Now, those were the last three episodes of the season that were filmed. They weren't necessarily aired in that order, but they were filmed. And the reason is because she went off to do a show on Broadway. She was appearing on Broadway with Ted Bissell in the play same time next year, which debuted in December of 75. And it's interesting because Alan Alda then starred in the movie version of same time next year in 1978 with Alan Burstyn playing the role that Loretta Swit played on Broadway. But, you know, uh, in interviews, Larry Gelbart has always had regrets that he was not able to include Margaret in the interview. Yeah. And so in the book, and I referenced it several times here, TV's MASH, The Ultimate Guidebook, Larry Gelbart was uh, a part of the writing of that book. And he went back and actually wrote new interviews with Margaret, Henry, Trapper John, Colonel Flagg, <laughs> and even Private Igor. Oh, my goodness gracious. Yes. <laughs> He went and wrote new interviews that never did appear in the episode, The Interview. And uh, if you ever get a chance to get a copy of that book and read those interviews, they're great. But I, w I thought we would wrap up here, Jeff, by maybe doing a little reader's theater. What do you think? Could we, could we try that? Uh, we can. Let me let me just talk to my agent one second. Just okay, he, sure, yeah. sure. Sydney, Sydney, he wants to do a recording new with new dialogue. Can I do that? Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> Okay, I'll have, uh, okay, good. Okay, thanks, Sydney, bye-bye. Say hello to, to Martha. Uh, yeah, uh, he wants you to call him, all right? I, I don't know about what. <laughs> I'll have my people call your people. How about that? Before we do this, because I this has been on my mind and, and you gave your three favorite episodes, let me just do this real quickly. Sure. Number three, Soldier of the Month. I loved Soldier of the Month for everybody else's reasons and the fact that I was in it. And I was so darn cute. I just loved it. <laughs> Welcome to Korea. A wonderful episode introducing a terrific guy and a terrific actor. They did it so beautifully. And Gary Berghoff stole every scene that he was in in that episode. And if you go back, watch it, and you'll agree with me. And he should be in jail for as much theft as he did there. So fun and so funny. And my number one, certainly, we talked about that, Hawkeye. So there's my my three. All right. Okay. All right. Moving on. Thank you very much. All right. Mashed Matters presents the exclusive, exclusive. audio premiere written by Larry Gelbart. Ooh, man. Okay. The Lost Interview with Private Igor. Okay. I will be playing the role of Cleet Roberts. Okay. You, of course, Jeff Maxwell, playing the part of Igor Straminsky. All right. <clears throat> <clears throat> Let's set the scene here. Yes. Fade in the mess tent. Mm. And action. I wonder if I might have a minute of your time. Anyone can have my minute, sir. Uh, what are you serving for dinner tonight? You really don't want to know. And scene. Yeah, there we go. Great, great, great. <laughs> you know, uh, as much as I love Larry Gelbart and as brilliant a man as he is, that wasn't the best Igor scene he could have written. <laughs> 
was a little short too. It was yeah. a little short, and you know there could have been better jokes there. But hey, what are you going to do? Oh man, well, that was fun. That was fun. Thank you for indulging me there. I appreciate. You want to do take two? I mean, I don't know. If you like that? We can do that. I can only afford to pay you for one. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so here we made it. We made it through season four. Yeah. And another 27 episodes, we may do season five. Who knows? <laughs> but uh, one thing we do know is that our next episode, oh, this is exciting because our next episode features special guest star <laughs> Jamie Farr. I'm going to listen. I am going to listen. <laughs> you should. It's a pretty good show. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to listen. I, I hear you're really good. I hear there was a lot of chemistry going on that day. And some biology and, and some, some math. math and, uh, some uh, and some English. English. <laughs> <laughs> so that's coming up in our next episode. Hey, Jeff, this has been fun. Thank you. It has been fun. Episodes, all those episodes in season four, that was great. And I have to admit, I, I tried to uh, bone up on this because I watched about seven episodes this morning <laughs> in, in preparation. It's like, it's like cramming for a test. <laughs> I, I did. I was just going crazy. And so uh, I, I got to enjoy those shows all over again and, and see what all the fuss is about <laughs> on this MASH thing. Well, you can start now on season five then, and we'll, we'll do season five down the road. I got all connected with Hulu, so I'm going to Hulu my brains out and watch season five. <laughs> Excellent. Until next time with Jamie Farr, here's looking up your old address. 